0: Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, our Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at WhitRiverside. We're going to continue our series today, going where God sends. Jake did a great job last week, but frankly, he told a virtually unbelievable story I've heard. (laughs) about him somehow um, being the lead role in a musical theatre production and then leaving midway through to go to a football match, put on the captain's armband, score the winning goal, jump back in the car, drive back to the musical theatre production just in time to the closing number. Did any of you believe that story? You did? Well, I've got a great story to tell you today. Uh, it involves me being chased by this... Great white shark. For those of you on the tape, I'm showing a very, very convincing picture of me with a full head of hair, smiling while I'm being chased by a great white um, off the coast of Australia. Anyone believe this story? No, no I'm so. <laughs> it's, it's more believable. Well, I do have a, a dream to swim with great whites, but I want to be inside a cage when it happens. so um, Okay, so I haven't got a story to rival Jake's, which was great. Apparently, <laughs> um, I'll think, it's all true. It's all true. Apparently, it's all all true. Let's get back to uh, our, our focus, which is this passage in Matthew twenty-eight. We're looking at this um, this commission that Jesus gave his disciples, telling them to go to all nations and tell people the good news of the gospel. And that's what we focus on with this this series. Uh, go today. I want to focus on this. Um, this is a very small part of this, of this narrative. All nations. All nations is what Jesus spoke to his disciples about. And the word there is a word ethnos. And it's the word that we get ethnicity from. And it means all people groups, all tribes, all types, all countries, all places, all people. And what I take from this is the great encouragement that the gospel works anywhere. The gospel works with any people. I've had the opportunity to travel to different parts of the world uh, to do different things. I've been to the Middle East, I've been to Indonesia, I've been to America, I've been to Africa, I've been to Switzerland, I've been to various different places with the gospel. And the gospel works in all those different... Now you can't cough in stereo, because that's going to really be... Can you sink your cough in? Yeah. Um, so that the gospel works in all those different environments, all those different ethnos, the gospel works. The good news works wherever you are on the planet. I want to talk today about how we're called to reach all nations. We're called to take the good news of Jesus to all ethnos. And I want to start with a, with a bit of a, a graph for you. So again, let's think, think about this for a second. On the, on the bottom axis here, we've got near to far, and we can think about that in terms of geography. People who are close to us geographically, who live close to us, and people who live further away. And on the y-axis, the vertical axis, we've got how close people are in terms of how like us they are. Okay? We tend to get on with PLUs, people like us. Okay? We tend to gravitate towards PLUs. We tend to make friends with PLUs because they, they can be often the easiest people to build a relationship with. But lots of people are, are not like us. They can be different from us for a whole variety of reasons, different in terms of their cultural background, their socio-economic uh, circumstance, their beliefs, their value, their culture. So we can have people who are near to us and people who are far from us. And I want to talk about some different groups today of people that sit in these different places. So the first one I want to talk about is that one. People who are near to us geographically and also like us. These are our neighbours, these are our people that we connect with, maybe their family members, their friends. They're often the people we find the easiest to get on with and connect with. Okay? Then we have another group of people who are people who are close to us geographically, but they're not like us. They're different to us for a whole variety of reasons. They might have different culture, different, different background, different all sorts of things can separate them from us. Now when I say us, I'm not saying us. I'm saying me, and I'm saying you, okay? We are not one sort of lump in this building today. The great thing about the church is we're all different. We're all, we're all different from each other. And so when I say, say me in this graph, think about yourself. People who are like me and people who are not like me. People who are near to me and people who are far from me. And then we've got people over here. People who are, are like us, but are further away from us geographically. And then you've guessed it. We've got the last group People who are not like us and geographically are further away from us. So of all these people groups, which people group do you think it's easiest to tell about Jesus? Yeah, this group in the bottom corner, the people that are near to us and people that are like us. People actually maybe have similar interests or similar background. These are the people that we can find it easiest to connect with in terms of the gospel. And historically, when revivals have broken out in different parts of the country, in this country, uh, in the UK, and and geographically across the world, it tends to go through relational networks. The gospel tends to spread through friendships and neighbourhoods and people that connect with each other on a regular basis. And that's the first group of people I want to talk about today. These are the people that we we rub shoulders with. These are the people that we tend to connect with Often, and that's, and that's a positive environment for the good news, the gospel, to flow along these relational networks. You tend to have shared experience. Maybe you have similar kind of jobs, similar kind of places that we live. There's a lot that connects people in this first section. And often these are the people that we develop deep relationships with, we can be honest with, they support us, they can, they can help us and be with us. And there's often a lot of regular contact that happens with people in this particular group. But all that brings some challenges when it comes to actually telling this group of people about Jesus. Because we don't tend to think about Jesus with these people. These people are just our friends. They're our neighbours. They're our family. They're kind of in our lives all the time. And we don't tend to think about Jesus when we talk to them. You might be blessed to have come from a, a Christian family where many of your family members are Christians. That's not the case for me. I know for many of you, that's not the case as well. And you might have thought it's difficult to bring Jesus into these close networks and friendships. And sometimes it feels a little bit too close to home. I remember when we moved house in Birmingham and I thought, great, I've got a chance to kind of reinvent myself. You know, I can be a Christian. I already was a Christian, but I thought, ooh, the people have seen me do loads of bad stuff in the previous place. So I can reinvent myself when I move house. Anyone had that idea? You have. I know you have. So we moved house and I thought, well, we've got to tell the people next door, either side of us, as quickly as we can, that we're Christians and that we're part of a church. and So we did that, great, got that one out of the way. I think we took some biscuits around and we did the, the, the typical thing to try and break the ice. And then, not long after we moved in, I was washing the car at the front of the house and we had to run the house pipe all through like a central entry in the house, a terrace house, into the kitchen and connect on one of those really reliable things you screwed onto the kitchen tap. <laughs> So I said to the kids who were very young at the time, can you keep an eye on the tap for me? Because I'm going to wash the car. At the front, so I'm washing the car and suddenly there's no water. And I'm thinking, what's going on here? i wait a little bit anyway. Eventually, I wander through the back of the house and into the kitchen and what's happened? It's come off and there's water going everywhere and the kitchen's soaked. And I say to the kids, couldn't you watch the tap for at least two minutes? I'm trying to wash the car. and I notice over the kitchen, <laughs> over the kitchen fence are our new neighbours smiling at me. <laughs> And my Christian witness, as I perceived it, was in tatters. You know, I was the, I was the lovely Jesus-like person next door, railing at his children for not, not keeping the tap sorted out. And we can have this fear with people that are close to us that if we tell them about Jesus, we tell them we're a Christian, they might judge us. They might think, well, you actually don't measure up to what I think a Christian should be, or I've seen you not at your best. Or, and so sometimes we can bring a bit of a wall down uh, and separate our, our faith from the people who are very close to us because we don't want to kind of pull the rabbit out of the hat and so they say, oh, I've talked about Jesus? You know, we, we, and if we don't tell them soon after we've meet, met them, at what point do we tell them? At what point do we introduce Jesus? Because if we really, if we love Jesus, then Jesus obviously is an important part of our lives. And how long do we keep that important part of our lives away from the people who we treat and think are real friends? It's a real challenge that we have. And so sometimes it can be hard to tell people in this group about Jesus and about our faith in a way that um, we feel confident in. But I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you in, in this particular section today. Tim Keller talks about, who's a theologian from America, talks about four kind of stages that people go through when they receive Christ into their lives. And he, he talks about these four stages. He talks about intelligibility, which means, can I understand the gospel. Does it, does it? Can I understand it? Can I cognitively understand what's being told me? Credibility. Does it make sense? Plausibility. Can it be believed? And then intimacy, personal, some sort of personal connection with the gospel. We've talked before how Jesus always sent people to people. That's how he he intended his message of love to get out. He set, he commissioned people and he sent those people to other people. And proximity, we've said before, is really important if the gospel message is going to get communicated. It can't be done at a distance. It doesn't work if we're not close to somebody and they're experiencing Jesus through us. And so if you think about it, for this first group, you and I are perfectly placed to help people with these four particular stages of understanding and receiving the gospel. We can help them understand, we can we can help them, we can kind of break down all the, often the traditional stuff or the religious stuff that gets in the way of people understanding what, what really <laughs> is the gospel about. We can, um, we can help them with their difficult questions. And we can also let them know they don't have to have all the answers. We don't have all the answers. I wanted someone desperately when I was seeking Jesus in my early 20s to have a chat with about questions I had. I couldn't find anybody. I couldn't find anyone to talk to who would... Who would who would talk to me about science and God and how these two didn't have to be polar opposites. And we can be that person in that person's space and help them pick apart what is, what is the gospel, what is Jesus. And in terms of plausibility, well, you're the, best, you're the best reason for the gospel to be true. The way you live, the choices you make, the fact you come here on a Sunday, the fact you do certain things with your time and your resources... They all help somebody close to you think, actually, there must be something to what they're saying. You make the gospel plausible because of your commitment. You're a witness to it. You, you, you show it to be real. And then lastly, in terms of intimacy, you can help that person personally connect with God. You're well-placed to help them and support them. as If they want to connect to God, you can be there right there with them uh, as an advocate for them. And so whether you believe it or not, The people closest to you are most likely to get the gospel through you. Okay? Whether you believe it or not, whether you think it can happen or not, the people close to you are most likely to hear about Jesus through you. and are most likely to receive God's love through you. And so I really want to encourage you this morning around this first group of people. The people that are close to you, the people that are uh, are like you. You're placed with those people by God so that the gospel... (coughs) can touch them through your life. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be this shiny Christian <laughs> that doesn't ever, you know, shout at the kids or get things wrong or, you know, what if I've heard you swear? Oh, my goodness. You know, that's your Christian witness gone forever. No, it's not. It just shows that you're a real person, struggling with real things. And that's so powerful in terms of the plausibility of the gospel. So don't overlook those close to you. The devil would love to whisper in your ear, you know, if you, if you talk about Jesus with these people they're going to ridicule you. They're going to reject you. They're going to judge you. The devil would love you to keep quiet around your friends and your neighbours and the people in your family because he knows you're the most powerful mechanism to bring the gospel to them. And In reality, in my experience, real friends don't ridicule you. They don't judge you. They don't criticise you. They might, be, um, they might be interested. They might be a little bit, OK, help me understand. I've got no experience of this myself, but I trust you, so therefore tell me about what's going on. Your job is not to convert anybody. Your job is not to convince anybody. Your job is just to be Jesus to them in, in their space, in that friendship, in that relationship. As I said before, Jesus said, be a witness. And a witness just testifies to something that's happened. So all you're doing by being a witness is saying, well, this has happened for me, this is my story, this is how it, it works for me how it works for you might be something different. So we need to get away from this idea that we kind of have to close the deal with people because that's not what Jesus said. He said, go to all ethnos and tell them about me, show them me, be a witness for me. So that's that first group of people. Let's look at the next group of people now. These are the people that are close to us geographically but are not like us. Increasingly social and ethnic diversity is happening on the earth, isn't it? Globalisation is changing the spaces that we live in. We came from Birmingham, a massively multicultural city. You know, Every nation probably represented in that city, and it's happening here as well. We're seeing more and more ethnicity and diversity happen <coughs> in our region. And that can be challenging for us, because we struggle when people not like us come close to us. We can be threatened, we can be intimidating, we can be frightened, we can, we can judge, we can do all sorts of things when people not like us come close to us. But people can be not like us for a whole variety of reasons, apart from their ethnic background. They can hold very different beliefs to us, very different views, different standards, different ways of doing life. It brings challenges. Last year we looked at uh, the story of Nathaniel, and uh, when uh, he was told that Jesus had come from Nazareth, he, he, he came out with this, uh, this phrase, can anything good come from Nazareth? And we have this problem with things and people not like us. We have a thing called prejudice. This alters the way we see things. It changes the way we see things. And we have also maybe a perspective that we think is the right perspective. Maybe we even believe it's God's perspective, so therefore it has to be the right perspective. And when we couple our prejudice and our perspective together, it affects our expectation. It affects what we believe can happen or how we believe God can move or God can touch somebody or change something. So when we encounter people who are not like us, we can can just take our ignorance along and our prejudice and we can make judgments and we can sort of stand off and we can point the finger. Or we can ask God to show us how he sees them, how he wants us to show his love to them. The world is changing rapidly and that means many new opportunities for the gospel to be presented in fresh ways, in new ways. There's whole... (coughs) swathes of people now who've got no idea who Jesus is. They've got no idea what church is. They've got no idea what faith is. And there's a massive opportunity to bring Jesus to these people in a fresh and authentic way. And I find that really exciting. Early in the 4th century, uh, Constantine, who was the Roman Emperor, got got, uh, saved. He became a Christian. (laughs) And from that point, the Roman Empire became a Christian Empire. And so the state and the church kind of got, got joined together. And uh, you, you no longer had to make a choice to follow Christ. You were just born into being a Christian. That's what happened. Christendom was born. And so what happened was people just were nominal Christians. They, they were just Christian by default, by nation. And the issue with that was that Christianity became very nominal. You no longer had to make this personal choice to follow Christ. You were just a Christian by default and by birth. And Christendom has, I would say, not had a great effect on Christianity. Combining the church and the state, some would say has been good. I would say, on the whole, it hasn't been good because it has reduced most people's faith to just a nominal faith, a tick-box faith, the kind of faith you tick on a, on a health form. <laughs> That's the sort of faith that, that kind of Christendom has reduced Christianity to. But now... The church is moving away from the centre, back to the margins where it started. And I find this really, really exciting. We're living in a post-Christendom age, and so we now have a chance to basically reconnect people with the real Jesus. We can now explain Jesus to people in a way that strips away all the stuff that Christendom brought with it. Our God was a God who started on the margins, he started in a stable, he finished on a cross. He was never supposed to be centre sage with state. And we can introduce people to Jesus in a way now that is fresh and authentic. We can try and get back to some of the radical teachings of Jesus. We can try and be a people who imbibe and live those teachings rather than just living a religious life. And we can become a people who really do stand up for the poor and the powerless and the vulnerable. And we can become these diverse communities that are authentic and reflect God's heart for all people. What I love about this commandment from Jesus is that we can take the gospel to all people and we can take the gospel to people who are not like us. Just have a think for a moment. What's the people group that you most struggle to get on with? Who are the people that you you struggle to accept? Who are the people that you struggle to connect with? It might be an age thing. It might be a gender thing. It might be an ethnic thing. But there'll be people in your heart right now that you think, I'd really struggle to bring the gospel to those people. I'd really, because your prejudice and your perspective and maybe your experience has altered your <coughs> expectation of what God can do. The Bible describes the true Christian community like this. It says this in Colossians 3.11, there's no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. then Galatians 3.28, nor is there male or female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. So Jesus brings it all together. Jesus brings everyone together. He takes the beautiful diversity on the face of the earth and he reconciles all people to God and to themselves. And that's what's hidden in this very small part of Jesus' commission. Go to all ethnos, to all ethnicity, to everyone, every tribe, and tell them, the good news because it's for everyone and the death of christendom gives us the opportunity to present jesus to a whole group of people who've never ever met him which i find really exciting do you how would you communicate jesus to somebody without all the religious language without all the religious trappings without all the traditions how would you get back to that first century jesus that commissioned the disciples on that mountain There's a a chance to bring Jesus in a beautiful, simple way. And that's what this society now offers us. To all ethnos, everybody can receive Jesus. See, Christianity was never supposed to be white, middle class, male dominated. That's never what Christianity was supposed to be. But that's what Christianity has been for the past 500 years. And there's a new opportunity now for Christianity to be born again. And for Jesus to be communicated in a way that is authentic, that does grab the hearts of young people who are desperate for a purpose and a cause. Something that goes beyond their experience. And so times are changing. And I think the church will change and have to change to reach all these people groups, to become relevant and connect in a way that's meaningful. And so I think the fact that Christendom is dead gives us fresh opportunities. It breaks that the church was never supposed to be powerful in that sense. Jesus came as the servant, and we come to serve. And you might guess from the way I'm talking, it's a soapbox of mine. We don't bring people to religion. We don't bring people to guilt. You you, you now have got to figure out how to communicate the gospel to a whole new range of people who don't feel guilty anymore. Because the church has been very good at making people feel guilty for years and years and years. You've now got a whole society that don't feel guilty anymore. Why should they? But what they are hungry for is something of meaning and something of purpose. So, how do you communicate Jesus to somebody without standing on the back of religious guilt? It's a new opportunity, it's a new day. And I think it's very exciting. Let's look at the next people group people far from us who are like us. Keely and I fell in this group. We were 200 miles away from you <coughs> when we lived in Birmingham. And God spoke to us, and he sent us down here 200 miles to you in Whitstable. Um, we know that God has a heart for people who are far from us, who are like us, who he wants to connect. We believe there's a whole tribe of people who are still to connect with us at Riverside. We've got a picture on our wall. There it is in our office. And it says, uh, Isaiah 42:12. This is the verse that God gave us when we first came to Whitstable. Let them give glory to the Lord and declare his praise in the coastlands. And that's why we keep talking about coastlands, because we know there's people who are not geographically close to us that God wants to bring and touch and draw into his tribe. There's a cost to reaching those who are not geographically close to us. There's a cost that we have to imbibe if we're going to reach these people. The German pastor Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this, he said, if you love community, you will destroy it. If you love people, you will build it. And what he meant by those words were, if if your goal is to maintain a warm, cosy, friendly, limiting group of people, then eventually you will destroy the very community that you love so dear. But if you love people, if you're prepared to go to people and reach people and take God's love to people, then community will come as a natural byproduct of that. Next week on Vision Sunday, we're going to talk more about our vision to see something begin in Home Bay. And our desire to begin to extend our reach along this coastline into Herne Bay. Because we know there's a community that God's called us to serve in love. And it's going to cost us, guys. It's going to cost us in terms of time, in terms (coughs) of energy, and in terms of money. It's going to cost us to go and extend our reach along this coast. But why are we going? Because we love people. We love people and we believe those people uh, are there and they need to hear the good news. And also we want to serve them with the good news so as we love people god will create and extend community we'll hear more about that next week we'll talk more about that, our vision for a Hern bay hub next week and we've got this last group of people people far from us and people not like us and this is possibly the hardest group of people for for the church to reach authentically Uh, Riverside, formerly TEC, has got a great heritage of sending people to different parts of the world to take the gospel or be involved in in gospel work. We currently still support work in Romania and also we support Mission Aviation Fellowship that flies hundreds of different organisations all over the globe to take the good news of Jesus in very practical ways. We've still got opportunities in the future that God will provide for us to take the gospel to different parts of the world. The key thing is, when we go to these people, what we don't want to do is superimpose our culture upon them. And the church has often been guilty of doing that in the past. This is a picture of a young man. Anyone know who that is? You probably don't know who that is, but... It's Hudson Taylor. Very good. I'm impressed. It's Hudson Taylor. He left this country at 21 to go to China... He he felt God call him to China and to take the gospel to China at a time when there was very few people in China communicating the good news of Jesus. He spent 51 years there. He started the China Inland Mission and conservative estimates would say that through his work and his service around 18,000 people came to know Christ personally because of his choice to go to China. What was unusual about Hudson was as soon as he arrived in China, he decided to be sensitive to the culture. So um, he began to dress like this. (coughs) He grew a a pigtail, as many of the Chinese men did, and he he wore Chinese clothes. He wanted to fit in and be culturally sensitive to the people in China. Now, many of his contemporaries ridiculed him for doing this. They ridiculed him and and they said he was stupid and he shouldn't be doing this and he was wrong. But... The fruit of his work speaks for itself, doesn't it? He followed the example uh, of the Apostle Paul, um, who said this. I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. So the Apostle Paul, wherever he went, whatever culture or town or city or people group, he said, I'm going to enter your world. I'm going to enter your world and I'm going to try and serve you and become like you. I'm not going to lose Christ in the middle of that, Paul says. I'm not going to to lose sight of who I serve and and who my Lord is, but I'm going to enter your world fully. And that's what Hudson Taylor did all those years ago. He, He fully entered that Chinese community and became so effective at reaching people for Christ because of his desire to serve and stand alongside So over the coming years, I'm convinced God's going to connect us to more and more people in this particular group, give us more opportunities to take the gospel to people who are far from us and are not like us. (coughs) And when we go, all we're going to take is Jesus. We're not going to take our traditions. We're not going to take our culture. I've been down into into tiny villages in Mozambique to visit tiny village churches and the pastor has come out to meet me in a three-piece suit. I'm thinking, where did that come from? It only came from one place, didn't it? It came from, a, from, a, from missionaries who took their culture as well as the gospel with them. And so we don't want to add to Jesus. We don't need to add to Jesus. So as we get these opportunities, we'll just take Jesus, and that'll be really, really exciting. So let's just reflect back on our, our four circles One sociologist recently said the world has changed and now everywhere is part of everywhere else. Everything is now connected, isn't it? Everything is now blended. The world is a much smaller place than it used to be. And this is a unique time with unique opportunities and unique challenges. And so I think our, our, our understanding of who we are in Christ, our understanding of what the gospel really is, And our understanding of what we're called to do is really getting more and more acute. Because God is bringing the world to our doorstep. And with it, opportunity after opportunity to tell people about the the Lord that we love. Postmodernism would say there's no great story. There's There's no overarching narrative. There's nothing that makes sense of everything. But Jesus would say differently. Jesus would say, I make sense of everything. I I bring it all together. I reconcile him. And you have a great story to tell. You have a great story to tell. You have a great story to tell of how Jesus and you met and how he makes sense of life for you, how you live this life with him. You have that opportunity to chat over the garden fence, to talk to a friend at work, to maybe even talk to somebody who's not like you. And chat to them about, about why Jesus is important to you. God's love is expanding over the face of the earth. The scripture says the waters cover the sea, so God's love will cover the earth. God's kingdom is going forth, and he's using people like you and people like me, ordinary people, to tell people about Jesus, about, about this, this great story that is taking place. And it's not Christendom it's not religion, it's not church, it's Jesus, yeah, it's Jesus that we serve and Jesus that we love and Jesus that we follow and the stuff that comes from Jesus is great, but it's Jesus that, we, that, we, that we've fallen in love with, it's Jesus that's captivated us and he's the one that we take when he tells us to go. It's often a challenge. You can challenge yourself to try and think about, how would I chat to somebody about Jesus who has got no concept of church, no concept of religion? How would you chat to someone about Jesus without using all your cliche words? How would you chat to somebody about Jesus who has got no concept of what a cross is or why why a cross was used? We have a great opportunity (coughs) to think and rethink, how can I communicate God's love? Because God trusts you with this job. (laughs) He trusts you. You're his best, I think Jake said this last week, you're his best, best idea. You're you're the best means he can think of to get the good news out. And so he trusts you with it. But on our part, we need to think a little bit about what, what does it look like for me to communicate with somebody else? Something that's so important to me. How can I communicate in a way that does justice to that? The story that Jesus offers is for every tribe and for every nation. It, it, it's, it's relevant for every person on the face of the earth. Now, as you look at these circles this morning, you might feel prompted by a person that you know is in one particular circle, one particular sphere. God might be giving you a nudge this morning about somebody or a group of people that God is, is kind of nudging your heart about, saying, how can you... How can you show me to these people? How can you go and explain? How can you make me plausible and credible to these people? You might be here today on a spiritual journey. You might be thinking, well, actually, I don't fall necessarily into one category. You might feel, actually, I'm God's... I'm I'm maybe God's... I'm a bit far away from God this morning. Maybe I put myself in one of those spheres. Maybe a number of things get in the way for me fully knowing who God is or what God's going to be in my life. It's okay to have questions. It's okay to wrestle and think and journey. No one in Riverside is going to suddenly jump on you one day and make you do something. Because if they do, that's come and see me. (laughs) No one's going to try and convert you. No one's going to try and make you believe something. We're journeying together (coughs) in Jesus. And it's okay to have questions. It's okay to chat to people. It's okay to have Things that get in the way. It's okay to bring those things either to friends or to God. I came from a post Christian background. I had no Christian furniture in my life whatsoever. I had no preconceived idea of who God was. I had no religious background at all. I had the space to journey and to find God for myself. I was an atheist, guys. Total atheist, not even agnostic. So I want, we want to create an environment here where people can journey and find Jesus in an authentic way, just as I did. I didn't find Jesus in a religious way. I didn't find Jesus in a guilt-driven way. I found Jesus in an authentic way. And we want, we'd love to see people find Jesus in that way too. So no one's going to try and convert you. No one's going to try and make you do something. You can take as much time as you want with us and journey with us, because that's what we want to do here. But I want to encourage everyone this morning to open their heart to kind of get a fresh sense of of what's my part to play in this great story as I think about these people that God's put around me and what's my part to play in bringing the gospel to them. What might I do this week in a very natural way, in a very easy way? You haven't got to sort of drum up some sort of Christian message (laughs) and look for the ideal opportunity. You can just be you. You can just chat to that person about... You can even chat to them about this talk. So I was listening on Sunday morning to a talk about how God was supposed to be using me to tell people about Jesus. Isn't that a bit weird? Yeah. We can be as natural as we want to be, and God will use those relational connections to bring the gospel. So open your heart to him today. Let's stand together and just see what God wants to do.